Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Good Tuesday morning. Happy New Year, everyone. God bless. I hope everyone had a blessed New Year celebration and uh, Christmas season. It's Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for my dear sister in Christ this morning, Teresa Tamio. A little bit under the weather. It's tis the season. We pray that uh, she recovers soon. She should be back in her host chair uh, this week as uh, well, God willing. Uh, but it's always a pleasure to be with you here on Catholic Connection. Uh, pleasure filling in for Teresa in the host chair. We have wonderful guests joining us today. Father John will be joining us, Wace, uh, the mother of Jesus in the Word of God. This reminded me of a conversation I had many years ago, and I was really excited to see this uh, on the list of interviews we're doing here today. I remember many years ago when I had a friend of mine challenging me uh, about the Catholic faith. And one of the arguments uh, that was given is, you know, of you know, we've heard this many times uh, from non-Catholics is our devotion to Mother Mary, and uh, the argument that it's not scriptural. There's no mention of you know we shouldn't be having a devotion to Mary or we worship Mary, which we do not worship Mary as Catholics. We know that we don't worship Mary as Catholics. That's one of the most misunderstood things, especially people who you know, have an issue with the Catholic Church. So, uh, Bible Mary, the Mother of Jesus and the Word by Father John. I'm really excited to talk with him about this because this was part of the discussion. And he challenges me in, in saying we shouldn't even be praying the Hail Mary or the Rosary. Well, I, I remember going to Bishop Francis, who was Father Frank at the time, and talking to him about that. And he pointed to me uh, verses in the scripture where the prayer of the, the Hail Mary comes from and this is many many years ago 20 some years ago uh, about 20 years ago and so um, and that really started my journey and really really wanting to dive deep into my faith that's when I reached out to Teresa and our friendship reconnected and she introduced me to El Cresta and I really started to take a deep dive on my faith journey. It was it was one of the best challenges uh, anybody posed to me. And so I'm really uh, looking forward to talking with Father John today uh, about his book on uh, in the Bible, uh, Bible in Bible Mary, the Mother of Jesus and the Word of God. And he pulls back the pages of sacred scripture to reveal a portrait of Mary that has been hiding in plain sight since the time of Christ. With the dedication of a man deeply in love with his subject, he gives us the insights and keys we need to understand that Mary is not just a bit player in a salvation history or a mere tool of the divine will. Rather, she is the new Eve and a glorious God-bearer foretold in the Old Testament and revealed in the New. Combining rich typology with sound biblical history, Bible Mary shows how Mary is the... Uh, fulfillment of scriptural images and prophecies. Father Rice also incorporates his personal experiences as a priest in each chapter, treating Marian questions and challenges that he has dealt with in his ministry, and the intent on making the Catholic case for Mary to all Christians who love biblical truth. He appeals frequently to the growing body of the Protestant scholarship that is rethinking past hostility to the Marian doctrine and devotion. So, Bible Mary. And I know we just came off of uh, Christmas, and I'm, I'm a big proponent. People who listen to me regularly know that I love to read, and I love to give books as gifts. And even though Christmas is over and it's not really a stocking stuffer, think of just random gifts you can give people throughout the year. Books are a wonderful uh, gift to give people. And we have the EWTN Religious Catalog, not just books, but all kinds of gifts. But this is one of those books you can add to the list of things to give people. And then... Uh, the Archdiocese of Detroit's Associate Director of Family Ministry uh, is discussing 52 Sundays. Uh, this is another thing that I, I love. This is something that Archdiocese of Detroit has done. And these wonderful 52 Sundays and how we as family can come together and sharing the faith with our, our loved ones uh, during the year. And these are 52 Sundays of wonderful ways to engage our families and and. There's like recipes you can do together as a family. Uh, there's uh, act fun and challenging activities, uh, discussion questions. And this is for children of all ages. So um, 
this is every Sunday of what you could do with your family, and it's online, so people all across the country can enjoy this. They they had it in a hardcover book, and I'm I'm so glad that they put this online, uh, so we can engage together uh, as a community, and you can reference this uh, throughout the whole year. Um, so it's it's really wonderful that they they've offered this um, 52 Sundays, and it's something that the Archdiocese of Detroit has. I, I don't know how many years they've been doing this now, um, but uh, it's been a few years. And I've re- referred to this all the time, especially for the recipes. They're so fun and so engaging. And I don't, you know, no matter what age your children are, you can do this together. So we'll talk with Nicole Joyce uh, here today. As well on uh, Catholic Connection, I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for my dear sister in Christ, uh, Teresa Tamio, uh, today. Um, about uh, today on this Tuesday, it's the New Year, 2024, and I also uh, this year I penned a blog. I was going to share. If I'm filling in for Teresa, I might share it during the T's Two Cents. But it's a blog on our New Year's goals as a communications and executive coach, leadership coach. I don't really focus on New Year's resolutions. It's really goals for the new year. What are our goals for the new year? And we might have broad goals that we want to uh, achieve during the new year, but then how do we break those down? So one of the goals that I penned, uh, and it's on my website, epiphanycommunications.com, is seeking truth in the new year. And when I say seeking truth, we mean that with a capital T. And I offer tips on how to seek truth, Jesus Christ, with a capital T, this new year. How do you go about seeking truth uh, in our faith? You know, and, and there's, I, I offer some steps on, and tips on how do we go about seeking truth in our lives. And that starts really with prayer. So what are you doing today? What habits are you forming to really seek out Jesus Christ what are you doing on a daily basis? How are you engaging your family? How are you engaging your friends? How Maybe you could start a prayer group or a support group. What is the Lord putting on your heart to reach out to him every single day? And that's something we need to ask ourselves. What am I doing today to reach my goal? Because there's so much chaos and so much confusion. And we know that, you know, the enemy is the father of lies, right? And so we have to ask ourselves, um, what are we doing to seek truth in our Lord Jesus Christ? How are we engaging Jesus every single day? What conversations are we having? Uh, what, what conversations are we having with the Lord on, an, uh, on a daily basis? How are we reaching out to Him? And prayer is a big part of that. So if you've not started a daily prayer ritual in your life, if you do not have daily prayer as part of your life, your day, Think about how you can incorporate that. Ron and I, uh, we pray every single morning together. We start our whole day in prayer. And um, we reach out. That's how we set the tone of our day. And we have a ritual of different things that we listen to, uh, podcasts and prayer. We, you know, listen, uh, we read the gospel reading of the day. We reflect on questions. Um, so think about how you're incorporating prayer. If I have time tomorrow, I'm going to read my entire blog to you on tips of seeking truth as a goal for 2024. It is approaching nine minutes past the hour here on Catholic Connection, and now it's time to go to the news. I always start today, too, looking at the weather forecast in the Detroit area to see, is it? can I walk outside today? I don't know. It's a high of 38 degrees here in the Detroit area. Chicago, a high of 38 as well. Cloudy skies. St. Louis, a high of 44. 41 in Cincinnati, 44 in Memphis, Dallas a little warmer, high of 51, but rain showers today. If you go down south, you're uh, when you're looking at Florida, high of 72 in Miami, which is really not that hot at this time of the year. High of 65 and cloudy in Tampa. Looking on the west coast in California, Los Angeles, 65 today. Rain showers in San Francisco, Seattle, rainy, a high of 46 degrees. And we're looking in the Boston area, sunny skies, a high of 41, and sunny in New York and Washington with both highs of 45 degrees. 
Pope Francis began the new year by urging his fellow Catholics to entrust 2024 to the Mother of God, who knows our needs and always intercedes to make grace overflow in our lives. As Catholic News Agency explains, the Pope made his appeal during Mass at St. Peter's Basilica on January 1st for the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. He called upon Catholics to consecrate their lives to Mary, noting that she will lead us to Jesus, who himself is the fullness of time. Given Mary's role as the means chosen by God for entering into human history, with the birth of Christ, the Pope said it's fitting that the year should open by invoking her. Israel will be withdrawing several thousand troops from the Gaza Strip. The IDF made the announcement Monday, noting the growing toll the nearly three-month war has taken on the Israeli economy. More than 85% of Gaza's residents have been displaced from their homes, according to the United Nations, and the fighting has left more than 20,000 people dead. At least 48 people are dead after a powerful magnitude 7.6 earthquake hit western Japan on the first day of the new year. In Tokyo, Chris Gilbert says it's a battle against time to rescue people. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida said a thousand self-defense troops have been deployed to affected areas. But rescue efforts are being hampered by widespread damage to roads. Thousands of buildings are damaged and officials are warning of more quakes possibly to come. More than 100 aftershocks have already been recorded. In response to Monday's quake, Japan's prime minister has dispatched thousands of soldiers to disaster zones to help rescue efforts. Video shared on social media captures some of the chaos after two planes collided and caught fire at an airport in Tokyo. Rory O'Neill reports. Videos now going viral document the fear and confusion as a Japan Airlines plane collided with a Japanese Coast Guard plane at the airport in Tokyo. 17 passengers on the Japan Airlines flight were injured and the A350 plane consumed by flames. Five members of the Coast Guard were killed and the captain now in critical condition. The Coast Guard plane was about to take off on a mission to help with earthquake relief in western Japan. I'm Rory O'Neill. Ukrainian President Zelensky is promising an increase in Ukrainian produced, uh, produced weapons in 2024 as the country's war with Russia rages on. In a year-end speech, Zelensky said this year the enemy will feel the wrath of domestic production. He said their weapons, artillery, equipment, drones, and more will be used generously. Zelensky added they'll use them on the land, in the sky, and at sea. He went on to praise the country's soldiers, medical personnel, and everyone who fights for the Ukrainian Ukraine every day. There'll be harsher punishments in 2024 for people convicted of dis- distributing fentanyl under a new California law. Dean's uh, Kodiak has details. The law increases the penalty for selling or distributing more than one kilogram of fentanyl by adding three years to the original sentence. The penalties increase with the amount of fentanyl with an additional 25 years automatically added to a person's sentence for trafficking weights above 80 kilograms. The law comes as overdose rates rise in the state. Fentanyl, which is a powerful synthetic opioid, can be deadly even in small doses and is the leading cause of overdose deaths in California. Airports around the nation continue to be very busy as folks head back home to wrap up the holiday season. Stephanie's flying out of LaGuardia back to North Carolina after spending the holidays in New York. To me, this line is nothing compared to years ago at JFK. This is simple. This doesn't bother me at all. AAA had predicted that 115 million people travel during the year-end holidays, the second highest on record. The stage is set for the college football playoff national championship game. Top-ranked Michigan will meet second-ranked Washington in this year's title game after both won semifinals on New York's Day, uh, New Year's Day rather. Michigan receiver Roman Wilson talks about the win. I mean, it feels great. I mean, just so uh, what we what happened to us these last two years and and what this team has has built and overcome and. I mean, I, I mean, again, I just love this team so much, and, and, and the mentality we had going into that last drive, it, it was unbelievable, and I'm just so grateful for that. That was an exciting game. I was at the edge of my seat and thought I was going to lose my voice screaming at the television. The Wolverines knocked off fourth-ranked Alabama in overtime 27-20 at the Rose Bowl to earn their first-ever trip to the CFP title game. The Huskies held on to a beat third-ranked uh, Texas 37-31 in the Sugar Bowl, also earning their first ticket to the championship matchup. Michigan is seeking its first national title since 1997. UW's last national championship was back in 1991. The big game takes place next Monday in Houston. Fitness remains the top New Year's resolution going into 2024. 
According to a Forbes Health New Year's Resolution survey, 48% of Americans plan to improve their fitness, making it the most popular goal. Other common resolutions include improving finances, improving mental health, losing weight, and improving one's diet. Less popular goals include traveling more, meditating regularly, drinking less alcohol, and performing better at work. A record-setting number of swimmers took the frigid dip into the Atlantic Ocean, the annual New Year's Day polar bear plunge in Coney Island, Brooklyn. Organizers estimate about 6,000 people took part in the annual event that dates back to 1903. They say they expected record-breaking numbers with the temperatures in the mid-40s. It's all for charity, and participants are encouraged to make a donation. Proceeds for this year's plunge should for far out-distance last year's total of $125,000. It is 15 minutes past the hour here on Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for my dear sister in Christ today, Teresa Tamio. We'll be right back with Father John about his book, Bible Mary, the Mother of Jesus and the, World of, and the Word of God. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popchuk. St. Gregory of Nazianzus once said, He who does acts of mercy should do so with cheerfulness. The grace of a good deed is doubled when it's done with promptness and speed. The best way most of us can learn this approach to Christian service is in our family lives. That's why prompt, generous, consistent, and cheerful attention to each other's needs is such an important part of the liturgy of domestic church life. Every day, ask each other this life-changing question. What's one small thing each of us can do to make each other's lives a little easier or more pleasant? Then, remember to do those things as a way of letting God's love shine out through you in your family. To discover more ways your family can celebrate the liturgy of domestic church life, check out the newest editions of Parenting with Grace and visit CatholicCounselors.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, but you can call me Family Man. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com. The Bench Pub in Livonia, how can I help you? Is your chili really as amazing as you claim? Yes, sir. Made with fresh Eastern Market beef and our secret blend of spices, our recipe even won the West Virginia State Chili Championship. It's so popular, we only have one bowl left today. Oh, wow. I'll be right there. Homemade award-winning chili, only at the Bench Pub on Five Mile Road in Livonia. Mention Ave Maria Radio for 10% off. Tuned into Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamio on this January 2nd. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope it's a blessed start to a new year. I'm really looking forward to talking with our next guest about his book, Bible Mary, the Mother of Jesus in the Word of God. Father John Weiss is joining us here today. Father, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Vanessa. Great to be here. So I, I'm really excited to talk to you about this. I, I mentioned it earlier. Um, 20-some years ago, I had a friend of mine really challenged me on the Catholic faith. He left the Catholic faith, and one of his biggest arguments was, you know, uh, Catholics, quote-unquote, worshiping Mary, which we do not, uh, and saying that there's nothing scriptural about, the, you know, there's no prayer to Mary in the Bible, and we should not be, you know, uh, worshiping her in any way. So what prompted you, Father, to want to write this book, Bible Mary, the Mother of Jesus and the Word of God? Well, I also had a a conversation with an ex-Catholic who was challenging Catholics on this on this point, and we had several discussions, and ended up writing a book together called Letters Between a Catholic and Evangelical. And in that, he he also said, "Well, I when I read the Bible, I I noticed how little it said about Mary." And when I heard that, I says, "Where did you get that?" I mean, so I started trying to come up with all the possible scripture references to Mary that I could. And I was looking at fathers of the church as well as a lot of saints. And one of the things I discovered is that, you know, Catholics were using scripture in a way and applying it to Mary that most Catholics are not 
familiar with and most Protestants are no longer familiar with. So I wanted to say, what was the, how did they get those, how did they apply those to Mary? And then I started discovering how the early Christians were reading the Bible in a different way than we were, that they were really reading it more with different levels of depth that we were not accustomed to. We're just used to proof texting and and things like that instead of just trying to see what is God really trying to communicate to us in the Bible. Mm. And, you know, for me, it prompted me, uh, <coughs> Father, to take a deep dive into Scripture <coughs> And my faith, and I remember calling uh, Bishop Francis, who was then Father Frank at the time, and saying, okay, point to me in Scripture where we even get the Hail Mary from. So what are you hoping the readers will take away from the book today, uh, reading well, the book? I, I hope they can come away with a, a greater appreciation for the Virgin Mary and her role in, in Christ's salvation history, God's plan of salvation. But also that they would learn how that we need to see to read scripture differently, better in a way that it was meant to be read. And the way the scripture writers were writing, they were reading it and writing it at the same time, oftentimes making references to Old Testament prophecies. And how did they how did they do that? For example, you know when we talk about uh, the the holy innocents, how they were, you know, destroyed by Herod and his armies, all those two years old and younger. And Luke quotes uh, Jeremiah and says, and Rachel was weeping for her children, and they were no more. Mm. And looking back at that prophecy, you realize that wasn't referring directly to Bethlehem, but it was referring to in different level of meaning that it could be applied to Bethlehem and to the children that were slaughtered by Herod. And then you start looking at other scriptures and you just see, wow, there's a lot of depth in scripture that oftentimes we miss because we're just reading it like the newspaper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, yesterday... Father, we celebrate the Solemnity of Mary, the Holy Mother of God, the Feast of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in the homily at Mass, you know, uh, the, the priest suggested that we pray the rosary every day for peace in the world, referencing all the chaos and the wars and what's going on in the world today. You know, as people read this book, are you hoping there will be more of a devotion to our Mother Mary? Yeah, I think there will be when they realize that... Mary is more than just, um, you know, a, a vessel that just brought Jesus in the world and then to be discarded. That Mary was really had a wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ, and that God wants her to be our mother as well. And so that if Mary is our mother and God is our Father, then we're going to be fully, not just half-brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, but fully brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, sharing the same mother, sharing the same Father. And that will open up all sorts of depth to one's own spiritual life and one's relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So you talk in the book, you know, where in Scripture can we find the Immaculate Conception, the Assumption, the Virgin Birth, uh, and support venerating Jesus' mother? And your answer is, it's everywhere in the Bible. And uh, do you think part of the challenge, Father, is that people get overwhelmed in reading Scripture, reading the Bible? They don't know where to start. They don't know how to read the Bible. I mean, I hear that all the time. In fact, when I was, you know, really taking a deep dive, it was my spiritual advisor 20 years ago who said, start with the Scriptures. I mean, start with the Gospels, rather. Start with the Gospels. And so um, do you kind of take on the approach that people feel, you know, do you, do you kind of take on that understanding that people feel overwhelmed when it comes to reading the Bible? I think people do, but I think part of the problem when we're looking at Scripture is we're trying to get the, you know, all these doctrines and all these proofs of different things in our belief system. But I think if we look at it more as the Word of God, more like God is writing us a love letter, you mm-hmm. know. So just start reading the love letter, and you'll see how it will speak to you in different ways throughout your spiritual journey, but different parts of the Bible are going to speak to you 
and and going to help you see how much God loves you, and then you can respond with loving Him back with great gratitude. Mm-hmm. So the book is available at Catholic Answer Shop and EW10 Religious Catalog. And, and Father, I'm a big proponent of giving books as gifts, especially during the Christmas season as great stocking stuffers. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're off the Christmas season. But this is a great way to evangelize the faith. And if somebody questions us, whether it be a, a fellow Catholic or a Protestant or somebody left the church, you know, what would you say about gifting this book to somebody as a tool and say, why don't you read it? Well, we could sit and discuss this, you know. I think it yeah. would open a great discussion i think it would i always encourage people to say let's read this together yeah you know? gotta, yeah i love that let's talk about that more father john weiss we got to take a break here in catholic connection let's elaborate on that after the break father john weiss who we're talking to today about his book bible mary the mother of jesus and the word of god we'll be right back after this Bible Mary, the mother of Jesus and the word of God, written by our guest joining us here today, Catholic Connection, Father John Weiss. And Father John, this the cover image of this book is absolutely beautiful of Mother Mary. I love it. It's Yeah, it's a picture of Mary kind of emerging from the pages of the Bible, which I think really captures what I was trying to do in the book. Yeah. Very creative and very beautiful. Yes. And before we took a break, Father, you're talking about, you know, I'm a big proponent. I love book clubs, and I talked about reading this as a way to evangelize the faith and share it with your fellow uh, brothers and sisters, maybe fallen away Catholics or Protestants. Uh, you know, what about having this as a book club discussion or a mom's group? I and mean, this is a great way to really share the faith with people who struggle with um, uh what what they what they believe is Catholics worshiping Mary. I think Bible discussions, I mean book discussions, are always great because not only are you enriched by reading it, but then you get other people's perspectives on it too, and you get so much more out of it. Sometimes you want to reread a, a chapter or or the, uh, the book itself just because now you're reading it in the context of somebody else's impressions. Yeah. But I find it also, when you're talking with someone that's not Catholic, and you're reading it together, you're going to get so much more out of the book, and you're going to get so much more out of the topic that you're discussing, because it forces you to think, try to put yourself in the, in the, in the shoes of the other person as you're reading, and you just get so much more out of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you and you, you could share two stories, Father, about how Mother Mary has been influenced in your own life and your relationship with Mother Mary. Cool. You know, your devotion to her. Exactly. Yeah, we learn yeah. a lot from each other. <coughs> yeah. No, we certainly do, and and I think in my own life, I know Mary's been just very key to my own vocation, discovering where God wanted me to be as a priest, and then in, as well as in Opus Day. But it also, you know, in different moments during my journey, my life's journey, you know, Mary has played a prominent role, and and it opens up discussions of that. And your own witness is is a tremendous way mm-hmm. of uh, opening people's eyes up to something more. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Father, I also believe that when we teach, we learn, and when we write, we learn. How has working on this book helped you on your own faith journey? You know, again, one of the things that just helped me to to read Scripture in, in a new way, and, for example, looking at the Bible as apocalyptic. You know, we always look at the book of Revelation as apocalyptic, yeah. But then you started seeing, hey, all of Scripture is apocalyptic. Wherever there's an angel mentioned in the Bible, it's like, hey, you're entering into this battle between Satan and St. Michael, and you realize that's been, been taking place since the beginning of time. And that's we're part of that in our own journey. And I started seeing things like that that I wouldn't have seen if I hadn't researched this book. 
Mm-hmm. You know, for me, uh, Father, when I became a mother myself is when I felt drawn to Mother Mary the most. You know, even though I grew up in a very Catholic family, uh, in the Chaldean community where I'm from, you know, I'm a Chaldean, Chaldeans have a big devotion to Mary. So our dining room was not a dining room. It was like a shrine to Mother Mary. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, that's how I grew up, you know, uh, Mother Mary statues in the front yard, and so we have a strong devotion. And but for me, it wasn't until I became a mom myself that I really felt connect. Like I felt so drawn to her, uh, our a mother, and how she's helped me so much on my own faith journey. Um, for people, from your experience as a priest, what do you think has been the most misunderstood about Mother Mary by Catholics or Christians? Well, I. Well, just a second, what you were saying. I actually, at the very beginning of the book, looking for how Protestants have been just rediscovering Mary, and mm-hmm. a lot of it is in the same pathway as as you. Is they become mothers, or they lack, they haven't been able to have a child, and they mm-hmm. can suddenly they learn from Mary um, different insights that they wouldn't have otherwise. But I really think that what's the most difficult that Catholics and none, one is the perpetual virginity of Mary, that she was a virgin both before, during, and after the birth of Christ. So, you know, I think the part that the people have the hardest trouble is with is during the birth of Christ. But if you really look at it, that's the way the early Christian understood Mary's virginity and that a virgin shall conceive and bear a child. A virgin shall bear, bear a child, which is unfathomable for us. But when you see Jesus as, you know, after his resurrection, passing through the walls of the upper room to enter into this dialogue with the apostles, you know, well, he could do the same thing as passing through the walls of Mary's womb. And... yeah. And, yeah. and, but just exploring this from a scriptural standpoint is all, mm-hmm. was, was also fascinating to see yeah. that. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and uh, I was having this discussion with my good friend uh, Jeff Kassad the other day about uh, the misinterpretation of Jesus' brothers and sisters, and we can get a whole discussion about that. Or, um, yes. and, 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 and for us, the Kelly community, when we call people brothers and sisters, it's very cultural. You don't, you're not really my brother right. and sister. Uh, in the Chaldean community, we call everybody aunt and uncle. We call people brothers and sisters. All that you know, it's, it, it's part of our culture. So for us, it's like, well, yeah, that's normal in the Middle East. You know, that's what, just what we did. <laughs> you know, exactly. So, and that's something that's misunderstood is people miss the cultural right. references, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Especially to the time period. But you know, we were we were kind of talking about how. A lot of things that happened 2,000 years ago in Jesus' time is still very cultural in the Chaldean community. So, you know, that's very much understood by us. Um, So it's not hard for us to understand that Jesus did not have brothers and sisters, but called everybody his brothers and sisters, you know. That's Um, correct. uh, Father, what else do you want people to know about the book, The Bible, Mary, the Mother of Jesus, and the Word of God? What else do you want our listeners to know before we let you go here? Well, I just want people to realize that this, is you know you're going to read it it's going to be a journey for you and it's going to be something everybody's going to discover new new things and and different things and this is not a, a a traditional way of just going through the doctrines of mary and finding proof texts but rather just it's going to really help them hopefully open up their eyes to a new world of scripture as well as to allowing them to have mary as part of their own lives Mm-hmm. I also hear people say, you know, it's, it's hard for them to do a whole rosary. Or what would you say to people? Maybe you start with just a decade a day until you work your yeah. way up. But what would you say? Yeah, start with a decade a day or two decades. You know, you can do a whole rosary of, of you know, well, three decades a day will get you through the whole rosary and all the mysteries. Mm-hmm. But also realizing what are you doing? You're bringing the Hail Mary. Is you're learning to contemplate with Mary, the life of Jesus Christ yeah. and her own life, mm-hmm. which Amen is a, a fascinating thing. Father John, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you, Father John Weiss, here on Catholic Connection. Thank you, Father. Thank you. God bless you.
The Bible, Mary, the Mother of Jesus, and the Word of God available. EWTN Religious Catalog and Catholic Answers. Stay with us, everyone. When we come back, our next guest will be joining us from the Archdiocese of Detroit, Nicole Joyce, the Associate Director of Family Ministry, to discuss 52 Sundays, 2024. Catholic Connection, Vanessa Denhagarmo here, filling in for my dear sister in Christ this morning, Teresa Tamio. We're talking about 52 Sundays. This is one of my favorite things that the Archdiocese of Detroit did. Um, and they uh, have the, that was started out as a hardcover book and now it's online, which I think it's wonderful because anybody in the, in the world can access this. And to talk with us about this is the Associate Director of Family Ministry to discuss 52 Sundays 2024, Nicole Joyce. Nicole, how are you? Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure to talk with you. I love 52 Sundays, Nicole. So give us, give our listeners a background of how this even came to be. What, what is 52 Sundays? So um, most of you uh, are familiar with the Archbishop's letter, Unleash the Gospel, and in there he really charges families to reclaim Sunday as the Lord's Day. And um, part of that movement in the in our larger Department of Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship was to come up with a way to really um, encourage families to do this, and we wanted a resource that was going to be accessible and easy to use, um, that ran according to the calendar year, not even necessarily the liturgical year, that, you know, you could give us, give us a gift or encourage other people to use online. So um, the first edition came out in 2020, actually, in January of 2020, um, in paperback and also online. And um, we, we didn't know that a pandemic would explode <laughs> a few short months later. So it really became something that a lot of our families across the Archdiocese leaned on heavily during the pandemic. Um, because it was the only way to really keep Sunday the way it could be when there was no Mass available for families. Um, mm-hmm. And since then, we've gone through all the, the liturgical cycles. Um, and then last year in 2023, that was our first year where we did not have a printed copy, and we went entirely to digital, which made the resource completely free to everyone. Uh, we revamped the website so that it's easy to print out just one section of a Sunday or the whole Sunday if you want to, if you'd rather have it on paper. But the, the website is just beautifully done and really easy to use on a mobile device, on your computer. Um, and we've had still uh, a really large following of people who are checking the website every Sunday or engaging with the content, uh, you know, trying out the recipes and all that kind of stuff. So we're really happy to bring this 2024 edition out to everybody here and, and really on a national level, too. We have people who write us from all over the United mm-hmm. States. Yeah, I love that. And um, so it's no coincidence. It really was a God incident that you guys published this in 2020 before we even knew a pandemic was going to hit us. And so it, it engaged the community. What I love about it, it engages the whole family. So how did this? How did you guys brainstorm this with the recipes and the activities? I mean, do you have a whole team of people coming up with these ideas? Yes, so the very first edition, uh, we had a team of about 14 people all working together to make sure we had all these sections covered. You know, we had a new saint every week, that we had a recipe, that we had uh, chat questions about the gospel reading, a fun fact, um, something fun to learn about the liturgy. We call it the liturgy week, and, and a family challenge. Um, and so all of those pieces were kind of brainstormed by different people in our larger department. And then since that time, um, the uh, additional cycles have all been taken on by a handful of key staff members in our office. Um, the, this year is actually one of the years that we, we have some content from 20, uh, 2021 uh, mm. kind of coming back around because of the way the cycle works. So we've had a core team um, in the Office of Family Ministry really working to make this um, a, a usable resource, something that's really current, and, and we always try to spruce it up and give it a little bit of a, an extra new flair every time we, we reuse something from the last time we went through that cycle, right, of the liturgical cycle. Yeah. So this year uh, is actually really interesting because every saint in this year's 52 Sundays is a martyr. Oh. And and that that can be kind of like a, an uncomfortable conversation, I think, for some yeah. parents of younger kids, like, oh, how do I talk about, you know, martyrs? with my children, but um, I think what we try to stress in every single story here isn't necessarily how they died, which is how a lot of people remember martyrs, but also mm-hmm. about how they live. 
you know, mm-hmm. and how they embrace their calling to serve the Lord um, mm-hmm. and to serve their families, and how they lived a life of love and sacrifice in many ways long before they were martyrs, um, mm-hmm. and, and how that is something that we all can strive to do here and now, and, and that's how we can be martyrs in our own way in our family life. You know, I love that. So, Nicole, let's just let's just walk our listeners through this Sunday. So, uh, I don't know if you have it in front of you, but Sunday, January seventh, twenty twenty four, is the Epiphany of the Lord, which is one of my favorite days for a couple of reasons. One, my last name in Aramaic, Denha, means the Epiphany, uh, and that is the name of my company, Epiphany Communications, and my own show on Ave Maria Radio, Epiphany, <laughs> heard weekdays. So, <laughs> I love this day. It means a lot to me, and we, in my family, we never uh, took down the Christmas decorations until after Denha Day, which is the Epiphany. So let's walk our listeners here quickly through, like, what is this Sunday looking like? So you have the Gospel reading. Just kind of give us an overview of this day. Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to 52sundays.com on any given day, it will always have the the upcoming Sunday um, Mm -hmm. right there on the main page. It will always refresh to that. I think that happens on Thursday, actually. So if you're a little bit late and you don't get to it until Monday, you'll still be able to see the current week that you're in. And it'll tell you what Sunday you're in. And if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the full text of the gospel there, as well as links to the other readings and the Psalms. If you want to read through um, more of that at home before you get to Mass or after Mass, and so that you can reflect on it a little bit more. And then you'll see um, a biography of a saint. So again, this year they're all different martyrs. So you'll get a short story about that saint. You'll get some questions that you can discuss at home about the reading. Um, which I think is really beautiful because we tried to make sure that the questions were um, tiered at different age groups. So even your bigger kids can still enjoy having this conversation at home. And we've actually had a few couples who don't have children yet who are newly married who really enjoyed some of the discussion questions on 52 Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll get a recipe that you can try to make together. We really encourage families to eat a meal together on Sundays, if at all possible. And then a couple other things. You'll get um, uh, a family activity for the week, really, it could be any time during that week to kind of extend Sunday beyond just the one day, a liturgy week, something to look for during Mass, um, and then uh, a fun fact, just something silly that uh, we we might not know otherwise. You know, for example, this week we're talking about the Magi and how the different gifts of the Magi um, represent Jesus' identity as, as a king, as God, and also um, as, as a sacrifice. I love it. And the discussion questions are one of my favorite things to do, and I guess it really comes from my uh, reporter and coach's hat because I love question-guided conversations. It really kind of pr- prompts some deep thinking and critical thinking. And you, you, you offer so many different kinds of questions uh, to different age groups. And we're, I'm going to get into that a little bit more. I'm going to take a break here uh, before we get into that. We're talking with Nicole Joyce from the Archdiocese of Detroit. She's the Associate Director of Family Ministry. We're talking about 52 Sundays 2024. This started in 2020, and this is available to anybody around the world uh, to engage in this, and a great thing to do with your family. So we'll, we're going to take a break here on Catholic Connection. Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamia. We'll come back with Nicole Joyce. We'll be right back, everyone. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Maybe you've been hearing a lot about the need to make a spiritual communion while participating from home in a live-streamed or broadcast Mass. Maybe you've even prayed the prayer of spiritual communion. Spiritual communion is a concept that goes all the way back to the 4th century. It flourished in the Eastern Church and gradually moved west. Spiritual communion stresses the transcendence of God, where we unite our desires, intentions, and loves with the holy sacrifice of the Mass and the consecration of the Eucharist at the altar. Jesus, I embrace you and unite myself wholly to you. What took place between Christ's crucifixion and his resurrection? The Catholic Catechism calls that period the mystery of the tomb. Christ truly died. His human soul and body were separated from one another as his body lay in the tomb. But his divine person retained possession of both. Divine power preserved his body from corruption, though his death on the cross ended his earthly existence. 
Thus, Christ, by the grace of God, actually tasted death for everyone. His stay in the tomb constitutes the real link between the passable state before Easter and his glorious and risen state today. The same person of the living one can say, I died and behold, I live forevermore. In that one person, the Catechism states, was the meeting point for death and life. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. You're listening to Ave Maria Radio. Ave Maria Radio. We're talking about 52 Sundays 2024 with the Associate Director of Family Ministry with the Archdiocese of Detroit. Nicole Joyce has been on with us. And, Nicole, one of my favorite things in 52 Sundays uh, is the questions because, you know, as a report, as a talk show host and as a coach, I do leadership and executive coaching, uh, communication coaching, questions. We have question-guided conversations, and this really prompts critical thinking and self-awareness and going deeper in your faith and and the questions are really you I love the fact that you have so many here because it really could design to different age groups in the in the family can you speak to that yeah we really wanted to make sure that we had questions that would appeal to different age groups and even to families where the children have you know, grown and, and moved out or families where there are no children in the home. You know, we've had a few couples who don't have children who've used the 52 Sundays discussion questions as well, and we've received a lot of really positive feedback from them. So uh, we were very intentional to make sure that we had a few simple questions, um, just something like if you look at this coming Sunday, the Epiphany, um, what would it be like to encounter baby Jesus? That's such a simple question you could ask even a toddler. You know, what do you think it'd be like to meet baby Jesus? Yeah. Um, and then yeah. we have other, you know, deeper questions where we can be really thoughtful and reflective about our own lives. Um, for example, the last question this coming week is about our, our saint and how he sacrificed his life. So, you know, asking our bigger kids to talk about a time when they felt like they defended someone from harm or someone from harsh words. Maybe they stood up to a bully. So really kind of helping different age groups and, and different people find a question that really applies to them, that kind of resonates with them, and giving them a chance to discuss it as a family, especially around the, the dinner table if you can, or at night prayer, is a really wonderful way to kind of build up uh, a prayerful environment around your home and also to get the kids thinking a little bit deeper about, about their experiences, but also the parents, too. You know, and I was just thinking when I was um – looking at the discussion questions, not just with a family, but what about engaging the community? I mean, you know, Teresa and I have been talking a lot about this lately, about really meeting people one-on-one. We've been doing this, talking about this a lot since 2020, and it's a great to use the so- to use social media to share 52 Sundays, right, or evangelize the faith, but yeah. nothing, nothing can replace that connection with people in the community. So what about using 52 Sundays to reach out to people who may have fallen away from the faith or don't really have a strong family connection, you know, with the, with the faith. And this is a great way, a tool, I would say, to use to evangelize the faith and maybe uh, engage somebody who may be alone. Yeah, absolutely. I think even just those small little tidbits you could take away from the, the take time to chat questions or the family challenge or even the recipe, any of those things could be opportunities for a family to decide that that week they're going to take that out into the community. You know, they're going to invite someone over to share that meal with their family or they're going to invite them over to be part of whatever the family challenge activity is or they're going to talk about the liturgy link with someone who hasn't been to church in a while. Um, but if you're looking for something that's a little bit more involved, you can also go down to the bottom of 52sundays.com and if you click on FAQ and you scroll down a bit, it, you know, it gives some information about the history of 52 Sundays and why it's important and what domestic church is and what it means to us. But if you scroll down a little further, there's actually a section about how you can use 52sundays.com as a small group activity where you can invite another family oh. in your neighborhood or from your church um, to meet once a week and share one, you know, a potluck dinner and have a discussion with just the parents or just the kids or everybody together, how you can come together to pray, how you can come together to, to do one of the family challenges or talk about the fun facts, um, just different ways to really build up the whole community. Because we really do, our office, the Office of Family Ministry, we really do believe that, that the heart of domestic church is about supporting families and their human needs. And what we all really need is human connection. You said it so well. You and Teresa both are so committed to this, you know, interpersonal, authentic relationship that we want to encourage families to do that as well. 
Yeah, I love it, and I love the recipes. And my my sister, I have to show her this apple crisp recipe because she's like the queen of apple crisp. So <laughs> see if she wants to do this recipe. She loves it. My sister Sandra. So I want to also ask you about the blessing that we put on our doors uh, with the names, the initials of the Magi. Tell us a little bit about that and why we put those on our doors. Oh, this is such an old tradition. Um, yeah. I don't even know if I could cite the year that this first started, but it's a really beautiful way to kick off the new year, uh, to kind of um, wrap up the, the last of the Christmas season. As you said, um, we don't take our Christmas tree down until at least Epiphany, right? Because we really yeah. want that, those 12 full days of Christmas to be a celebration. So yeah. it's, it's a really wonderful way to think about how your home is a sacred space. Because you, as a domestic church, as a little church, live inside that house, and all the people in it are blessed and, and called to be holy as well. So, if you, if you visit the ttsundays.com today or anytime leading up to Sunday, you'll see at the bottom the Epiphany House blessing, and it has um, all of the all the prayers in there for the the prayer leader. Hopefully, that's mom or dad or or the leader of your household, and then we do inscribe the year, but it's kind of intersected by those initials that stand for. The, the three the names of the three magi as as are known in legend, but then also stands for Christ bless this house in Latin, which mm-hmm. is really nice. And there's a cross mm-hmm. between each of those numbers, which I think is beautiful too. So we all pray together when we bless our house. Um, you can take a piece of chocolate to the church and ask Father to bless it before you come back and bless your house if you'd like. And if you have a little bottle of holy water, you can go around and sprinkle every room in the house. The kids always love doing that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. You know, I started a tradition a few years ago uh, because, of, like I said earlier, Epiphany is our last name, Denha. Um, my dad also died around the Epiphany, so he's celebrating 22-year anniversary. So I have my family over, and we have a family get-together on the Epiphany. So I just I love this. Um, what, we have about 30 seconds left with you. What else do you want to share with our listeners before we let you go? I would just encourage you to, to check it out and to not feel like you need to do every single thing on this website. You know, we gave you a big kind of buffet or smorgasbord of different ideas, and maybe you just choose one thing to try each week to really mm-hmm. make Sunday the Lord's Day in whatever way works best for you and for your family. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Nicole Joyce, Associate Director of Family Ministry, 52 Sundays. Thank you. God bless and Happy New Year. Pleasure to be with all of you here today. Here, I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo filling in for Teresa Tommy. I'll be in her host chair uh, as well tomorrow. And I want to thank uh, Nicole for being with us and Father as well. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow here on Catholic Connection. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connections.